Be Rad podcast is brought to you by MoFo, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Brad's macadamia masterpiece, mind-blowing nut butter blend, now offered on Amazon. Chili technology, temperature-controlled mattress systems for a good night's sleep. InsideTracker.com, offering blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data all in one place. And Organifi, whole food organic superfood supplements and drink blends. And please visit the shopping page at bradkearns.com for my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance with great discounts for listeners. Here we go with the show. Anytime you're in doubt, skipping a meal beats any exotic antioxidant fresh squeezed superfood preparation in terms of getting an immediate health boost. The short-term effects of french fries are worse than a cigarette. But then when it comes to grains and sugars, we have to make a concerted effort to kind of replace those with something that's rewarding and enjoyable so you don't struggle and suffer and feel deprived. But we definitely want to make that sharp right turn and get that stuff out of the diet. Let's talk about nootropics. These are supplements designed to improve cognitive function, memory, and creativity. And I'm taking three products from a company called New Optimal, N-U Optimal. The products are Metafocus, which promotes flow state and improves processing speed and mental clarity. It contains ingredients like phenylalanine, B12, ginkgo biloba. I'm taking Metamemory, which is good for memory retention, verbal fluency, reduced oxidative stress. Very important for the brain. This product has things like lion's mane, pine bark, and bacopa. And I'm taking Metadrive for motivation, stress resilience. It's got a little boost of caffeine in there, ashwagandha, rhodiola. They're wonderful products with a lot of scientific detail and easy to understand information on their website. So you get the big picture of what these products are all about, not just stuffing pills down your face, but how to do the stack as they call it strategically. You get a 16 page booklet that'll guide you to optimal use when you purchase. And guess what? 60 day money back guarantee and 30% discount from me. Listen, I'm not a coffee guy. I'm not a drug guy, but I'm always looking for any type of natural edge I can get, especially for cognition. So guess what? Let's avoid that sugary junk food. Let's get enough sleep. Take a power nap when you need one and consider trying some nootropics to see if you get a natural brain boost. So go visit newoptimal.com, N-U-O-P-T-I-M-A-L and enter the code BRAD30 to get 30% discount when you try it. Newoptimal.com for way more details. Greetings, listeners. Let's talk about some compelling insights from the book Two Meals a Day by Mark Sisson with Brad Kearns. We are so happy to be promoting this book, be finished with this book. It's being very well received. And we are kind of picturing this as an offering to a larger and broader audience than the traditional ancestral health enthusiast going back to the primal blueprint and the keto reset diet and keto for life. If you think about the big picture and all the people out there that are absorbing all kinds of information about how to eat healthy from different directions, 
We're trying to slow down a bit from the extreme pursuits of things like carnivore, keto, or what have you, and find some common ground and appeal to someone who may not be living and breathing this stuff every day, like I am, but wants to eat healthier, wants to sort through some of the confusion. So as you can tell by the title, the high concept title, as they call it in Hollywood, the first thing we want to think about out of the gate is to just eat less frequently because our modern dietary problems and disease patterns, the epidemic climbing rates of type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, excess body fat, obesity, cancer, heart disease are caused by A, eating the wrong foods and B, eating too much food too often. So that's one fun goal that we can pursue out of the gate is to just try to envision a lifestyle where two meals a day without snacking in between those delicious nutrient-dense meals would be the baseline or actually the maximum amount of food that you would eat would be to sit down to two delicious meals a day and try to get rid of the surprisingly destructive habit of snacking. Why is snacking so damaging? When you consume anything, you immediately shut off fat burning. And sometimes we have to work hard to get there, to start kicking into fat burning mode, building that metabolic flexibility where body fat is our go-to energy source, our primary go-to energy source. So even if you snack on something that's qualified as nutritious or says on the label that it's nutritious, go into the superfood healthy market and you'll see a hundred different energy bars all telling you this is really healthy stuff to eat, but those have been heavily processed. I haven't really found many energy bars that are uh, low enough in carbohydrate and free from uh, processed agents to really be considered something that needs to be a fixture in your diet. So, of course, there's uh, a scale and you're certainly better off eating something that's healthy and wholesome than something that's heavily processed. But the need to snack uh, might be reconsidered, especially when we're framing the prominent, most prominent goal of reducing excess body fat. And the way to get away from snacking is to build this metabolic flexibility, the ability to burn a variety of fuel sources at any time based on your needs, starting with and emphasizing the burning of stored body fat for energy. So by and large, the best way to do that is through fasting. So that's number one on the list of 10 compelling insights from two meals a day. Fasting is king. Our bodies work most efficiently in a fasted state with immune function, cell repair, and antioxidant processes all optimized. Oh boy, you hear me uh, issuing a sigh of relief there because you can get so difficult trying to figure out the best timing and the best foods and superfoods to eat and what's going to give me the most energy and most efficiency. Oh boy, if you just get good at skipping meals, your body, you can't top that in terms of the hormonal response, the boost in alertness, energy, mood, cognitive function. Of course, there's going to be some further discussion and caveats here because you can't fast forever, right? You need food and you need energy to continue. But by and large, if we're entering this game from a baseline of eating too frequently, 
eating too much food, as evidenced by the complaint of carrying excess body fat, especially excess body fat around the midsection, the visceral fat, which is especially health destructive. This is our clear path out of the way, is just get better at fasting, skipping meals, going to a two meals a day and no snacking goal. Or if you're already there and you still want to make further progress, uh, just you know, working with your natural hunger and satiety signals more closely and eating just the amount of food that you need to feel constantly nourished and energized and satisfied rather than sitting down and eating more foods in the name of health, which funny as it sounds, uh, it seems like that's a common practice, especially with people going keto and making a concerted effort to consume more fat in the name of spurring ketosis, which is absolutely uh, the... Uh, inappropriate and misappropriated application of the ketogenic diet. The ketogenic diet uh, was originally discovered to uh, produce these health benefits from prolonged fasting, starvation, and the body kicks into emergency survival mode and makes these wonderful agents called ketones that the brain can burn very cleanly for energy for a long period of time to keep you going, to keep you focused. Think about our ancestors going out there and continuing to hunt even when they're starving. And that's what's so awesome about ketosis. So it's not associated with stuffing your face with fat, but more so becoming really metabolically flexible, really good at burning body fat, uh, as you may know, the ketones are produced in the liver as a byproduct of fat metabolism when carbohydrate intake is low or and or total dietary caloric intake is low. So fasting is going to be the centerpiece of your health practices and health goals when you're trying to drop excess body fat and get better at burning stored body fat. Uh, so, you know, to think about Anytime you're in doubt, skipping a meal beats any exotic antioxidant, fresh squeeze, superfood preparation in terms of getting an immediate health boost. Now, as I said before, there's a caveat. And number two on the list of 10 compelling insights is that you gotta proceed with caution because fasting is only effective and only sustainable when you've eliminated heavily processed, refined grains, sugars, and industrial seed oils and escaped this prominent state of carbohydrate dependency, which is that you require regular feedings of dietary carbohydrates, regular meals on the clock to sustain your energy throughout the day. And how do you know if you're in this category? If you so much as skip a meal and start to feel uh, moody, hungry, tired, cranky, they call it hangry in the afternoon if you miss lunch, that's an indication that you are locked into this carbohydrate dependency pattern, which is associated with all manner of disease, dysfunction, decline, uh, particularly the catch-all term called metabolic syndrome, where you have bad blood markers, increased disease risk factors, excess body fat, and have a difficult time sustaining and stabilizing energy throughout the day. So that's the number one goal is to escape carbohydrate dependency. And we talk a lot about ditching grains and sugars, the processed carbs, but we also have to highlight and zero in on this urgent need to completely eradicate the highly refined industrial seed oils, the bottled vegetable oils like canola, corn, soybean, safflower, sunflower, things that you see in all manner of crappy processed foods that you shouldn't be eating anyway, but they're also 
extremely prevalent in restaurant meals. Not only the junky fast food French fries that are fried in these cheap oils, but also uh, all the way up to fine dining. Almost every restaurant that you visit, even the expensive restaurants, will cook their meals in these industrial seed oils, all commonly referred to as vegetable oils, because they're inexpensive. And boy, can you believe that you're paying whatever, $27 for a steak, and you ask the waiter uh, what the steak is cooked in, And we want to go out of our way to request that our meals be prepared in healthy, natural fats, such as the temperature-stable saturated fats like butter, like lard, or the monounsaturated fats like avocado oil, uh, which is temperature-stable for cooking. Same with uh, a quality olive oil and coconut oil are better options than the industrial seed oils. So the reason the industrial seed oils are mentioned in the same breath as eating all that sugar and refined grains is because they too promote insulin resistance by inhibiting your body's ability to burn stored body fat. You consume these toxic chemically refined agents and they get integrated into healthy fat cells throughout the body, especially collecting in the visceral fat surrounding the organs and the midsection. And so consuming this toxic agent Uh, has all manner of instant health disturbances. Dr. Kate Shanahan cites research that a single dose of refined industrial seed oils has been shown to disturb healthy cardiovascular function for up to 24 hours. This is a study with healthy college kids who chow down a load of french fries and have a measured disturbance in healthy cardiovascular function in the smoothness of their arterial walls and the blood flow for an entire day. In contrast, smoking a cigarette has been shown to cause an eight-hour disturbance in healthy cardiovascular function. So uh, the initial dose, the short-term effects of French fries are worse than a cigarette. So long-term, different story. And why compare those two two things anyway? Why not just not consume either one? Uh, So the industrial seed oils can be directly responsible for insulin resistance because of that disturbance of healthy fat burning. And that's why they're ranked right up there, probably number one, when you listen to folks like Dr. Shanahan, Dr. Paul Saladino has been really hitting this point strongly recently as well, that we want to completely ditch these. So we give ourselves a fighting chance to become good fat burners. Because guess what happens if you uh, have these oils uh, prevalent in your diet and you harm healthy fat burning? Well, you're not going to be able to get your energy from fat. So you're not going to be able to fast very well, are you? Because as soon as you start asking your body to burn stored body fat, uh, you have this dysregulation of healthy fat burning and you're going to kind of default back into a carbohydrate dependency eating pattern because that's the only way you can get a reliable and quick energy source. Whew, this is a strong uh, player in the obesity and type 2 diabetes epidemic because People are compelled to overeat, eat more calories than they need because they're incapable of burning stored energy. Uh, Gary Taub's great book, Why We Get Fat, he has the epic quote in there that says, uh, gluttony and sloth are not causes of obesity, they are symptoms. So the obese subject with this metabolic dysfunction, metabolic damage due to, strongly due to consuming the industrial seed oils, as well as all the processed carbohydrates, is literally starved for energy quite frequently. The bloodstream is lacking energy 
because insulin is too high and because fat burning has been dysregulated. And so because the person is starving, the brain gets a signal to consume more food, to get a quick burst of energy, to burn off whatever energy you can consume. And then again, fat burning is messed up. So you get hungry, you overeat. And in the interim, when you're on this energy roller coaster, you do not have the energy to get up off the couch and move and get basic exercise completed. So uh, to turn that corner and become a fat burning beast and get more energy and feel more lively and alert and energetic throughout the day, we want to ditch those processed foods. Uh, So before you plunge into the wonderful world of fasting for all these metabolic and weight loss benefits, we have to proceed with caution, number two, and be sure that we're good fat burners. If you try to fast aggressively while you are still locked in carbohydrate dependency eating patterns, you are going to find your glucose one way or the other. And generally what's going to happen there is you're going to activate the fight or flight response in the body, right? When energy drops, when we experience that lull in energy, the afternoon blues, we will trigger the fight or flight response and the prominent process associated with the fight or flight response, which is called gluconeogenesis. That's the making of glucose, the quick making of glucose from, uh, lean body mass from amino acids. And so that's sort of a catabolic process that's used for short-term emergency use only. But if you call upon it over and over again, because you're not good at burning stored body fat, because your diet is full of too many junk foods, you are going to last for a short duration period of time feeling okay, and then you're going to crash and burn. And this is what often often happens with people who are jumping into aggressive crash diet mode is they actually feel pretty good for three weeks because they're wired on stress hormones. Their glucose is being pumped out at a reliable rate throughout the day because they're not eating, uh, they're eating fewer calories, the body's trying to respond. But if you're not good at burning fat, It's just going to be an overdose on cortisol. That's the prominent stress hormone that makes you feel alert, energized, increases all manner of metabolic function, but again, designed for short-term use only. So number one, fasting is king. Number two is proceed with caution. And then we get to number three, which is when you eat is just as important as what you eat. So what we want to do is get that insulin production under control, which is generally wildly excessive when we're following this uh, heavily processed diet, okay, and snacking a lot, things like that. So if we can start eating less frequently, if we can do away with snacking, and just focus on eating nutrient-dense meals that are highly satisfying and incredibly nutritious, that's when we can easily get into a smooth pattern of two meals a day. So that brings us to number four, which is eliminate the big three. And we've talked so much about it through the first three. Uh, These are the refined grains, sugars, and sweetened beverages. So when I say sugar, I'm talking about drinks, most particularly about drinks, because those are far more uh, damaging because they don't have any satiety factor, right? So you can suck down a 700-calorie Starbucks drink uh, without even thinking twice, more so than if you consume 700 calories of Skittles and have to chew through all the different colors and get your tongue looking like a rainbow. So it's refined grains, sugars, and industrial seed oils. 
This is where the vast majority of your health benefits are are going to come from. Before we even delve into the nuances and the increased levels of sophistication, like you hear a lot about in the ancestral health movement and the wonderful books digging detail into the keto or the carnivore or even the plant-based eating and all the wonderful things that are touted with these restrictive or specialized focused diets, if you can just get rid of the junk food, that's when you're going to skate free from the extreme risk of metabolic disease that's happening all around us when we just consume the standard American diet. And unfortunately, (laughs) when you're talking about grains and sugars, these foods have been found to have addictive properties in the brain. So the quote-unquote trying to cut back a little, end quote, is not going to be a very effective strategy. Maybe you've experienced this in your life already, but if you allow sugar to leak into the picture here and there in the form of these hyper-palatable foods that have been carefully designed to leave you wanting more and more and more, it's going to be real trouble to uh, somehow tighten up the reins to where they are no longer a centerpiece of your diet. I heard some good content on this subject recently from the wonderful new Huberman Lab podcast by Stanford neurologist Dr. Andrew Huberman talking about how when you consume these hyperpalatable foods that light up the dopamine pathways, the reward pathways in the brain, they actually uh, cause a chain reaction of signaling in the stomach to consume more and more of them. And boy, you're just turning off track so quickly and so prominently when you have this high-carbohydrate grain based diet full of sweets and treats and heavily processed hyperpalatable foods. I can totally reference this myself and we all can when you think about things like ice cream, things like popcorn. You can listen to my fatty popcorn boy saga story where if you start to tiptoe down that path of making these foods a regular uh, occurrence, it's going to be a slippery slope downhill to where they kind of uh, turn into a habit. And this is the strong appetite uh, mechanisms in the brain and our wiring that for survival reasons were highly wired to pursue uh, dopamine uh, triggering activities of all kinds, right? The physical exercise, um, entertainment, sex, things like that, that really light us up and keep us wanting more and more. And food is especially, we're especially sensitive to consuming these hyperpalatable foods that light up the reward pathways in the brain. So I've come uh, a long way down this road and been talking about this a long time. And now I'm a really strong advocate for a cold turkey approach to eliminating the big three. Uh, when we talk about the industrial seed oils, that's an easy one because these things don't have any taste. You're not missing out on anything uh, from directly eliminating these oils or switching over to healthy oils. So cooking your food, throwing away your bottle of canola oil, pray, God forbid, if you have it in your house, and switching over to a good quality a uh, first cold pressed extra virgin olive oil or extra virgin avocado oil, coconut oil, butter, even recycled bacon grease is vastly superior cooking agent to the bottled vegetable oils. But that's a that's a that's a no brainer. But then when it comes to grains and sugars, we have to make a concerted effort to kind of replace those with something that's rewarding and enjoyable, so you don't struggle and suffer and feel deprived. But we definitely want to make that sharp right turn and get that stuff out of the diet. 
Uh, I become fond of making my own homemade kombucha and fermenting it and having a second fermentation where I add things like fresh lime and lemon juice and uh, herbal tea bags. And then when this thing is finished, it still has a wonderful uh, kind of a sweet taste. I mix it with... uh, mineral, sparkling mineral water. So I get that fizzy experience and it's very much like a soft drink or the sensation of a soft drink when you get the bubbly water and the distinctive taste of homemade kombucha or store-bought kombucha, but you just want to cut it possibly by a ratio of three quarters water to one quarter kombucha. So you're getting, yeah, you're getting a tiny bit of uh, carbohydrate calories in there, but it's nothing like consuming a straight up soda or a sweetened beverage from the wonderful uh, consumer marketplace where they're selling all kinds of teas and concoctions that are dosing with a ton of sugar. So uh, getting away from those and finding replacements so that you can hang in there. Hey, Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. It's about that time in the show for a commercial. Oh my gosh, a couple spoonfuls of that, which has almost no sugar, no added sugar, and is incredibly rich and satisfying, will take the place of any other thing that you've been chowing on when you have that hankering for a little sweet treat, like a Hershey's Kiss or whatever you're unwrapping as a habit, just go to something that's just as satisfying in many ways, uh, but doesn't give you that constant drip of sugar into your bloodstream and into your diet. I'm also a huge fan, as you know from listening to the show, of high cacao percentage dark chocolate. So I'm going up above 80%, 85% and above when I choose my wonderful bars. Right now, I'm really loving the Askinosi bar. I had a great show with Sean Askinosi. You can listen to that and realize that you're supporting sustainable farming practices and fair trade and fair labor in an industry that is highly prevalent with child slave labor and inexpensive mass-produced bars. So we want to get away from consuming the milk chocolate bars that are on the shelf and all around us, which give you too much sugar and also support child slave labor in poorly regulated African countries, if that's not a good enough reason. Yeah, so go for the dark chocolate. And of course, you're going to have to habituate if you're a big chocolate fan and you've been eating a lot milk chocolate, it's going to take a while to habituate to the more bitter taste and less sweet taste of dark chocolate. But guess what? If I can do it, anybody can because, oh my goodness gracious, I've ate chocolate my whole life. And then 2008, when exposed to the primal blueprint path and the ancestral health path of needing to eliminate these grain sugars and refined industrial seed oils, I switched over to dark chocolate. And at first, it was just sort of uh, an idea that this was an approved food. I didn't really enjoy the taste. It tastes kind of bland and chalky compared to all the milk chocolate. But over time, I grew to enjoy it. It was sort of an approved treat so I could look forward to it and uh, become a connoisseur over time to the extent that now if I take a bite of even something like a 70% dark chocolate or something that's truly a, a sweetened chocolate, it's actually disgusting to my taste buds. It's way, way too sweet and I can't enjoy it. Even one square is way too much for me. So that's just an example of how we can uh, control and uh, refine our palate to enjoy uh, nutrient-dense foods that truly give nutrition and get us away from the sugar addiction, uh, high insulin spike, all that stuff that's been around forever. So that is number four. And then we're going to close with number five and do five more on the next show. And 
obviously, if you're getting rid of grain sugars and refined industrial seed oils, for the most part, you're cutting a huge chunk out of your daily caloric intake and the shelf space in your pantry and your refrigerator. So the idea is to replace it with nutrient-dense foods. And we're going to talk in general terms here rather than getting all nitpicky and just make the suggestion of emphasizing ancestral style foods. These are the plant and animal foods that have nourished human evolution for the past two and a half million years and deliver the nutrients that meet our genetic expectations for health. It's very difficult to argue that statement. And boy, uh, you hear people talking about how uh, we should stay away from animal foods because they're unhealthy for us and they're going to clog our arteries and we're going to drop dead if we eat too many eggs. Uh, But this information was mainstream, uh, completely flawed. In many ways, it was um, manipulated with flawed science and special interest marketing uh, that came into play in the 60s and 70s. There's all kinds of uh, commentary now where you can learn what happened to the the message of how to eat healthy started by the United States and exported across the world. But we made this massive transition away from natural nutritious fats found in animal foods like eggs and steaks and things like that over to this emphasis on heavily processed polyunsaturated industrial seed oils, which are the single most damaging thing the human can consume. So it's taken decades, but now the science, the experts, the people that are dedicating their lives to this thing are finally coming to have their voices heard and people realizing the ridiculousness of the notion that, for example, an egg is something that is harmful to the human. The egg is the ultimate life force essence food imaginable. After all, it's an egg, right? It's the beginning of life. And so the human has been living off eggs for two and a half million years. So anyone telling you that an egg is going to be excess of cholesterol, clog your arteries, contribute to heart disease is so far off base that it's it's almost ridiculous to even um, listen to that kind of commentary. Unfortunately, we're still hearing this. They're still hanging on by a thread. A lot of people uh, I hear about uh, coming from uh, experience in the medical community are hearing doctors still talking about this uh, notion of reducing your dietary cholesterol intake in the interest of lowering your heart disease risk factor. And these notions have been strongly, strongly disproven by the most respected science imaginable, notably the Framingham study, which is the longest and largest longitudinal study on health habits and diet ever conducted. Uh, It started in 1948 with residents of Framingham, Massachusetts, and they've been tracking these people's dietary habits for decades uh, and great conclusions. Quotes, you can see these highlighted in the Primal Blueprint book. Uh, Dr. Castelli, the director of the study, saying that dietary cholesterol intake and blood cholesterol levels are not correlated. Saturated fat intake is not correlated with heart disease risk. So we can forget these notions that have been programmed into us that consuming things like red meat, red meat still gets a bad rap, uh, but interestingly, it has a superior nutritional and fatty acid profile to chicken, pork, and the white meats that are touted as being healthier. Now, 
as I finish this statement here, we should also recognize that uh, concentrated animal feeding operations, the industrialization of food processing has all kinds of concerns to the planet, to the environment, and to human health. So we want to source the best and most sustainably raised meat possible. When it comes to beef, we want to look for the distinction grass-fed, hopefully 100% grass-fed. And with chicken, we want the distinction pasture-raised. With pork, there's a term called heritage breed pork, and that animal has been treated and fed vastly superior manner to the mainstream uh, bacon and pig products that have a lot of objections to it, especially how the animal is treated. And then finally, with eggs, uh, the the cream of the crop is the pasture-raised egg that is also designated on the carton with the term certified humane and or animal welfare approved. So this pasture raised uh, term indicates that the animal was given access to the outdoors and ideally had as much of natural diet as possible because the chickens out there eating bugs, worms, insects, grass, things that improve the omega-3 content of the egg up to six times to 20 times more than a conventionally fed chicken that lives in a chicken coop and eats feed all day. So pasture-raised is now apparently being used with a little too liberal of a connotation. So the animal might have had access to pasture, but come into the chicken house and eaten a bunch of feed. So we want to go for that certified humane animal welfare approved or farm fresh eggs right from the farmer where the chicken maybe had a little bit of feed, but mostly ate a natural diet and roamed around and was a healthier animal. Uh, Same with the grass fed beef. You can learn all about that and, and probably know a little bit if you're in this game, but it's a vastly more sustainable way to raise the animal, uh, protect the concerns about the globe that come from industrialized food processing. And so taking the time to look carefully and source the best meats. And if, hey, there's nothing right there in your local market, then go online because we have wonderful companies like ButcherBox. You can look at bradkerns.com, hit the shopping page. I have a great special offer for introductory offer to ButcherBox. I also like to shop at uswellnessmeats.com. I get lonemountainwagyu.com and this stuff is delivered to my door. So I'm eating the very, very best meat. And these are widely regarded and validated as the most nutrient dense foods on the planet. So anyone who's uh, trying to discourage you from eating these ancestral foods Uh, really it's time to wake up and get with the program and realize that the ancestral health movement is honoring the longest and most stringent scientific study of human diet ever devised, which is human evolution. So we ate a certain way for two and a half million years. These are the foods that are good for us that we can digest. But again, this also includes the plant kingdom. And so you're going to look for personal preference and how your body responds to the assortment of foods that are on the list, but they all honor our our ancestral expectations for health. And they're the foods of the earth that have been minimally processed. So I'm going to finish with the simple list that you can memorize and take Take away and realize that the vast majority of your food intake wants to come from the very best sources of these foods. Meat, fish, fowl, eggs, vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds. That's the ancestral diet right there. And of course, we make allowances for uh, healthy modern foods such as 
uh, organic high-fat dairy products and high cacao percentage dark chocolate. And of course, there's probably some examples of some other ones. But basically, if you can stick to those categories and see what works for you within that constraint, I'm not saying that you have to eat everything on that list. I don't like fish. What about that? Well, then you're going to go for the other ones. And it's going to be very difficult to do this uh, with that plant-based manner where you're avoiding or greatly restricting animal foods because this is where the most nutrition is coming from. But it is possible, I suppose, if you work really hard and probably have to supplement strategically. But again, uh, for whatever reason, if you're just looking to be healthy and emphasize the most nutritious foods, that is the list right there. And that covers five compelling insights from the book, Two Meals a Day. We're going to do five more on the next show. But to summarize, number one, fasting is king. Our bodies work most efficiently in a fasted state. Number two, proceed with caution because fasting only works when you've eliminated the junk food and taught your body to burn fat effectively. So you need a go-to energy source if you're fasting. Proceed with caution. Otherwise, you're going to activate that stress response, that fight or flight response. Number three, when you eat is just as important as what you eat. So we want to eat meals less frequently, try to get away from snacking, and just have those centerpiece meals that are the most celebratory event of the day. You can really enjoy them, but not worry about constantly stuffing your face with food. Number four is eliminate the big three toxic modern foods. Those are refined grains, sugars, and industrial seed oils. And number five, in turn, we are going to go over and emphasize the wonderful ancestral foods that have nourished human evolution for two and a half million years. Meat, fish, fowl, eggs, vegetables, fruits, nuts and seeds, and healthy modern allowances like organic high-fat dairy products and high cacao percentage dark chocolate. Oh yeah, there you go. Hey, share this show with someone who may not be deep into the game and deserves to eat healthier and wants to know on a basic level how to do it. I think this is a really good intro to cleaning up your diet. I really appreciate you spreading the word, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we got all the links for you online at bradkearns.com on the podcast link. It's always fun to connect with you and hear from you. So please email your feedback, comments, questions to podcast at bradventures.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.